Welcome to the Renaissance Christian Church Podcast. We're a church family with the mission of seeking God, serving others, and sharing the gospel. We're grateful that you have joined us as we study through the Bible, and we hope that it brings you encouragement and inspiration for your daily life. Here's Pastor John Bandman. All right, awesome to worship the Lord. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to worship, worship Him together apart this morning. Um, so this morning we're continuing our series in Isaiah. The title of the message this morning is The Cost of Obstinance. Okay, so last week it was the destruction of arrogance, and this week it is the cost of obstinance. Um, I was thinking about this, and I, and I remembered my sister-in-law had posted a video online of the backside of their house, and their whole backside of their house is like a big glass wall, and, and this bird had flown from some nearby trees, and it had flown straight into the, just full speed ahead, right into their glass, glass window and just crashed and then kind of went to the ground and then shook himself up and flew off back up to the tree. And then it did it all over again. It flew right out the window, full speed, crashed into it, landed, shook himself off, fluttered around back up to the tree. And then did the, it kept, and it just kept doing this repeatedly. And, and it's just kind of sad, kind of funny and kind of sad at the same time. But that is sort of the picture of obstinance. It's, it's this idea that you just keep crashing into the same thing over and over again. Um, and, and I think it'd be helpful for us to def define terms a little bit. I, I, I looked at the dictionary for the word obstinate, and the definition I, I found was stubbornly refusing to change one's opinion or chosen course of action, especially in spite of good arguments or reason to do so. Right, so obstinate is just continuing on the same course of action over and over and over and over again, even though there's information that's telling you, hey, maybe you want to consider, reconsider this. Maybe there's a better way. Maybe this isn't working out so well. Maybe there's um, a better path for you. And there's a fine line, right, between obstinance and another word, determined, right? So you can be determined without being obstinate, but you can be determined in an obstinate way. So a definition I found on determined is having made a firm decision and being resolved not to change it. So being determined means, okay, you've really thought this through, you've gathered as much wisdom and feedback as you possibly can. So you're very certain and clear on your course of, of, of action, your path, and then you're determined to see that through and you just keep pushing through in spite of the obs obstacles because of your confidence in, in being open and being uh, careful with, with your choice of direction, the, the, the course that you have set. Versus obstinate is continuing in a course that may not be the best course and you just continue to ignore information to the contrary. So with, the, with that in mind, let's go to our passage. We're gonna be in the next chapter of Isaiah, chapter 48. And let's read it, verse one. Hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel, and who came from the waters of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord and confess the, the God of Israel, but not in truth or right. For they call themselves after the holy city and stay themselves on the God of Israel, the Lord of hosts is his name. So this is really interesting. 
God is calling out to his own people. Clearly, this is his own people, the house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel. Interesting, by the way, that he chooses those names because, of course, Jacob wrestled with God. And, and after wrestling with God all night, God renamed him Israel, which means one who contends with the Lord. So it's interesting that he's calling his own people one who contend with the Lord who swear by the name of the Lord and confess the God of Israel. So they, uh, on the surface at least, understand that they serve the living God and understand that they are, they've inherited all these covenantal promises, that, that they have this ongoing relationship with the Almighty, with the creator of heaven and earth, and they even swear by him um, and they, they understand uh, their their place in the world in, in, in the context of their relationship with God. And yet, the scripture says, but not in truth or right. Okay? And so, the thing I would point out in this passage is, number one, their key word I, I would point out in these first two verses is the word here. God is saying, look, here, here my people, my very people, the people who think they know me, I want you to hear me. Because yes, you... You know me maybe in part, but you're not fully in the truth or fully in the right. And of course, the context is they've been under God's discipline for their idolatry and God has led them into captivity because of their idolatry, right? So that's a clear sign that they're, they're not worshiping God in truth. Jesus said that we will worship in truth and in the spirit. So truth is a critical aspect of knowing God and following after him correctly, to know the truth according to the revelation of the Lord. So they, they're missing that revelation. So key word there is here. And understand that religious heritage and practice can make you an obstinate hypocrite, okay? Keep in mind that because you're kind of used to church or you're, you're used to the routines of religious practice, Sometimes that can, that can give you the sense that you're on the right path when maybe you're not. Maybe there's something you're believing, something that you're walking in faith about that isn't really true. So it's a warning for all of us to understand that, hey, we haven't fully arrived yet. We don't know all truth yet. And we need to remain open and, and moldable and teachable in terms of really understanding the truth of God. And the fact that you are a believer in Christ and that you're faithful to him and that you walk with him and you, you are part of a fellowship and you're sitting this morning watching the stream doesn't mean you fully arrived and doesn't mean that you don't need to be open and teachable um, to, to God's word. Amen. So verse three, continue on. The former things I declared of old, they went out from my mouth and I announced them. Then suddenly I did them and they came to pass because I know that you are obstinate and your nick is an iron sinew and your forehead brass. I declared them to you from old before they came to pass, I announced them to you. Least you should say, my idol did them, my carved image and my metal image commanded them. So this is God saying, look, I foretell what's gonna happen. And not only do I foretell what's gonna happen, I actually then do it. And I can sometimes do it very suddenly, right? And, and that is God's calling card. That is God's hallmark 
Our idols can't do that, right? Our idols can't even speak, much less prophesy, much less make them things actually happen. And God's saying, you, what, you wanna know where the source of truth is? Look to the one who can foretell what's gonna happen and then actually make it happen. That is the source of truth. It's not your idols, it's not your habits, it's not what you're used to, okay? Sometimes we can mistake what we're used to for absolute truth, all right? So think about that. It, it, the hallmark of God, the hallmark of God's revelation is that he can foretell what is happening right now, what is going on right now, what that means, and he can foretell what's going to happen in the future, just as we looked at last week in Revelation chapter 17 and 18. And he not only can foretell it, but then he makes it happen. He lives in the eternal present. Jesus said, before Abraham was, past tense, I am, present tense. God lives in the eternal presence. And that's his calling card. That's the earmark that tells you, okay, this is coming from God when he can foretell something and then cause it to happen. So the key word in verse three through five is you are obstinate. You and I are obstinate, right? We are hard-headed. We are determined. We have a hard time. Once we start down a certain path, how hard is it to stop and look around you, take in some advice, look at the situation and turn around and go the way. That's really hard for us. It's, it's against our nature to do that. Once we get going and chugging on something, we just don't wanna stop, even if it's a big glass wall that we're gonna smash right into. And, and God is saying, look, you need to recognize that you are obstinate. I love the, the, the visual in verse four. In fact, I did a, a little art piece this week because it was just so inspired, just so descriptive to my mind. I just wanted to put it on paper. Um, and I'm hoping the media team can put it on the screen for you or fill the screen up with it, whatever. But I, I want you to notice the language. Your neck is an iron sinew. I can never say that word, sinew. And your forehead brass. It's like you're so bound and determined and strong and you just wanna push through no matter what, even if it's not based on reality or truth. And even if you need to stop and reassess what's going on here, you just, you're determined, you're just gonna do it anyway. If you can see the image that, that I created, you'll notice that that person's eyes are closed and his ears are plugged because they refuse to see what's opening their eyes and see what's going on. See, oh, maybe there's this invisible force here, force field here that's this, glass window that I need to see and understand and stop flying straight into it, right? Um, and also our ears, we need to open our ears and listen and listen for the word of God. And maybe, maybe it's time we take a breath. Maybe it's time we step back a little bit, take a deep breath and think about, okay, do I need to shift something here? Is there someone who might help me in this situation? You know, maybe I need to gather some more information Maybe there's another path. Maybe I can get some additional help from another source. Really it's, um, and, and I think particular, particularly in this time, in this tribulation that we're all going through in this pandemic, it's a time of stress and anxiety and we don't know what the future is gonna be. We don't know if, our, if we're still gonna have a job a month from now. And if we've lost a job, we don't know if we're gonna find a new job a month from now. We don't know how long the shutdown is gonna be. We don't know how, how this is, all plays out. What's that look like a month from now or a year from now? And I wanna encourage you that, you know what? 
or challenge also that, that when you're stressed, when you're anxious, when you're worried, that's a time that will bring up the sense of obstinance that like, oh, you just got to get it done no matter what. You know, this, we're, we're in jeopardy and we're desperate and we got to make this happen right now this way because I'm so stressed. And so I want to encourage you and challenge you that in this time of stress and, and anxiety where, where things can start to feel kind of desperate, you need to stop and just take a deep breath and think about, okay, what am I doing? What's the best course forward at this point based on what I know right now? And to trust the Lord in it, to recognize that, you know what, the Lord has all of this in hand. None of this has caught him by surprise. In fact, it's part of his plan to purify us, to shift us again back to him and put our dependence on him. So help if you're really like up against it, and you're trying to push through on some issue because you're just desperate because things are so shifted and you're stressed out. You know what, this morning it might be time for you to just take a deep breath and say, okay, Lord, you know what, I just need to let it go and, and trust you and, and find a different path, get some input, see some counseling, talk to my friends, talk to my family. You know, a great source of feedback, which most of us really resist, is our own family because it's like, oh, my family, you know, if you knew my family, what do they know? But I'll tell you what your family knows. Your family knows you better than anybody else in the world. So I would encourage you to, you know, if you're up against it and it just feels like you're banging your head against the wall, talk to your spouse, talk to your family, talk to your parents, talk to your kids if they're full grown or even partly full grown. And just, and, and most importantly, talk to the Lord and say, Lord, what's going on here? Is there something I need to shift in? Is there something way I need to look at this differently? Maybe I'm not gonna be able to fix this today Maybe I'm not going to be able to make this happen today, and I just need to shift and trust you that you've got tomorrow in your hand. Amen? So think about that, and, and if you find yourself in that place, take a breath. Think, think on it. Get some input. Get some feedback. A um, couple things on the outline to just point out. Um, God makes the power and authority clear. He's in this passage, he's making his power and authority clear. And he's and and the thing for you to consider is what has God declared? What have God's authority said? And what do your friends and family say? All right? Get some input. Open yourself up. Recognize that, you know what? God, according to God's word, God has put the authorities that are above us there for our own good and for our own protection. So wherever you are politically on the political spectrum, and by the way, it's a tough, they're in a tough spot right now trying to balance out how to walk through this trial and they're gonna make mistakes, right? But you know what? God has placed them there for our own protection. We need to pray for them and we need to support them as long as they don't deny or get in the way of our ability to worship the Lord or preach the gospel. Amen? And of course, ultimately, look to the word of God. Let's continue, verse 6. You, you have heard, now see all this, and you will not declare it. And will you not declare it? From this time forth, I announce to you new things, hidden things that you have not known. They are created now, not long ago. Before today, you have never heard of them. Least you should say, behold, I knew them. You have never heard, you have never known. From of old, your ear has not been opened. For I knew that you would surely deal treacherously, 
and that from before birth you were called a rebel. All right, so God's basically saying, look, I'm doing a new thing. I, I love it in this verse, first, uh, verse 6, it says, you have heard, now see all this. Notice here you've heard, and now you can see, which means I have proclaimed it, I've foretold what's going to happen, and you need to hear that, and now I'm doing it, and you need to see it. And that formula, as you find throughout prophecy, this pattern of hearing and then seeing, we see that, saw that when we went through Revelation in, in the Rev Bible study. There's this pattern. If you read Revelation, it goes back and forth, back and forth between hearing and then seeing. And, it, and the seeing reinforces the hearing, and the hearing reinforces the seeing. So what God is saying here is, look, I have spoken it, and you need to hear it. And now I am doing it, and you're going to see it. So open your ears and open your eyes to what I'm doing, even in the midst of this current tribulation, this pandemic, this shutdown that we're all living in, this isolation that we are, are living in, right? Notice what God is doing. From this time forth, I announce to you new things, hidden things that you have not known. They are created now, not long ago. Before today, you have never heard them. These you should say, behold, I knew them. So what God's saying here is, look, are you a know-it-all? You know, do you think you've got it? Do you think you know everything there is to know and you don't need to listen anymore? You don't need to see a new thing with your eyes, see what God's doing? Because you've already been there and done that, you just know it all? God's saying, look, you don't know it all. And you need to open your ears and open your eyes to what I'm saying. Key word there is see. See what I'm doing. God has something new and glorious to reveal to you. Have you heard it? Can you see it? Verse 9. For my, for my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. Or how should my name be profaned? My glory will not give to my glory I will not give to another. So this is the really good news because if we are honest, we are all obstinate. It is hard for us to admit, you know what? I'm gone down the wrong path. And now I gotta go back ten miles back down this road. I've gone down the wrong road and start over again. That is hard. For us to recognize that it it's hard for us to admit to ourselves that you know I'm just being obstinate and in fact it's a it's it's frankly it's a failure and, a, and of faith it's it's a lack of faith it's a lack of being open to the Lord's Word it's a lack of hearing his word and see, seeing his what he's done on our behalf but here's the good news the good news is God has deferred his anger and in fact he has redeemed us from our fallen nature, that nature that wants to be absolutely obstinate and continue down wrong paths. He has redeemed us from that. He has made us a new creation. If you've confessed Christ as your Lord, if you believe in your, in your heart that he has risen from the dead and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, guess what? He will save you. He redeems you out of all of that and he defers his anger towards your personal obstinance and not only that by the way God does this ultimately out of his own character and out of his own glory 
He does it to protect the, his name, protect his nature, make himself, which he could only do otherwise, consistent with who he is as this glorious, almighty creator of the universe. And that's a good thing because I think, I wonder, and we talk about this a lot in Renaissance, we talk about God's glory and it, and it is all ultimately to God's glory. And I wonder sometimes if, if we might think or wonder, well, God sounds a little bit egocentric when he seems to be always about his own glory and talking about his own, you know, wanting, protecting his own name and protecting his own glory. And the reason we think that way is because we put God sort of on a human level and think of it, when, and when we do that, when we look at a human being who's all about their own glory and their own name and their own, you know, who they are in the world, and it's all about themselves, because they're human and because they're fallen and their fallen nature, they do that at our expense, right? They take, they take from us to build themselves up, and it comes, and it's an arrogant act that we talked about destroying last Sunday. And when, so when we hear that, we kind of wonder, well, God, isn't, isn't God kind of like that, doing that? And the answer is, of course not. And the reason why is because he is the creator of the heavens and the earth, and his glory and his name and his character is perfect. And when he, when he expresses his glory and his character, it is to our benefit. We benefit from his glory. So actually, we want him glorified because as he's glorified, we are elevated and brought up into ultimate and total blessing and fulfillment, right? So God, praise God uh, that he, his character is all about uh, protecting the, his name and, and enhancing and, and expressing out his glory in powerful ways so that we are blessed. Right, we are we are blessed by His glory. So I just want a little thing there on the side to encourage you with that. You know, when we talk about well, this is to God's glory. That is a blessing for us all, because God is all about elevating us up, not taking us down for His sake, but because of His sake, He elevates us up. Amen. I hope that makes sense. Continue on in verse twelve. Listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, whom I called. I am he. I am the first and I am the last. My hand laid the foundation of the earth and my right hand spread out, spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand forth together. So this is God saying, look, I'm it, man. I am the creator. I am the awesome, glorious God of the universe. All right? So... If I say something to you, if I want to correct you, if I want to redirect your path, it would probably be a good idea to listen to that. It would probably be a good idea to look at that, to take that in and to consider that. Because he's, he is the only one who's totally and absolutely been there and done that, okay? He has been there, he is there, and he is doing that, right? So. When God corrects you, when, when someone shares a word with you and it's clear from scripture that what they're saying is true, that is, comes from God, that would be a good time to just stop and consider and think and realize that, you know what? Maybe I'm on the wrong path. Maybe I've got a character defect here that I need to look at. Maybe I get angry too easily. 
Maybe I roll over too easy and let people run over me too much. Maybe um, you fill in the blank, you know, but whatever it is, God is there to show you a new way, a new path, because he's been there and done that. He knows it all. He is the only one who truly can say, yeah, I'm a know-it-all. I know it all. He's omniscient. Amen? So um, key, key word there is, to, again, to listen. The sequence here is hear. You are obstinate. See his glory. Listen, right? The, as you go through this passage, hear, my people. You are obstinate. See my glory. Listen. Listen to my voice. Verse 14. Assemble all of you and listen. Okay, in case you haven't been listening up until now, he's going to use the word again. Assemble all of you and listen. Who among them has declared these things? The Lord loves him. He shall perform his purposes on Babylon, and his arm shall be against the Chaldeans. I, even I, have spoken and called him. I have brought him, and he will pr prosper in his way. Okay, so now what God is saying through the prophet Isaiah to his people is, okay, I, under I know that you are in captivity right now, but I'm going to bring one. I'm going to bring Cyrus, and he's going to conquer Babylon. And when he conquers Babylon, and it's going to happen very quick quickly, uh, he is going to he is going to be my instrument that allows you to come out from captivity to return to Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple, to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. He is my agent of change. I'm going to use him for that purpose, to restore my people. This is very, very good news, right? And you say, well, what does that have to do with me? That's 500 years before the birth of Christ. Let's look at the next verse. It says, 16, draw near to me. Hear this. From the beginning, I have not spoken in secret. From the time it came to be, I have been there. And now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. So this is really interesting. This last sentence really changes the voice. Up to now, it's been God speaking through Isaiah. And then suddenly you'll see just before the last sentence, the end, it in quotes. And then there's a sentence. And now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. So what God is saying there and and. And some might say, well, this is Isaiah saying this, that God has sent him to, through his Holy Spirit to, to give them this word. But I think there's all kinds of evidence to say that this is really referencing the Trinity. And what you hear saying here is Jesus himself, the, the pre-incarnate incarnate Son of God saying, and now the Lord God, the Father, has sent me through the power of his Spirit. The Lord, the Father, and the Holy Spirit have sent me in their power, right, to declare redemption to you, to declare to the people of Israel that they're going to be returned out of Babylon, that they're going to be able to return to their home and rebuild the temple and rebuild the city and begin to worship the Lord in truth, right? But that, that is Christ himself saying that the pre pre-incarnate Christ saying that to his people. I want to share a verse with you in Luke chapter 4, 18. This is Jesus actually quoting Isaiah. It's quoting a passage in Isaiah which speaks to the same idea. It's 
It's actually recorded in, I, in Isaiah chapter 61, but it's also Jesus quotes it in the Gospel of Luke. And Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. He set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So this is Jesus, and this is Jesus speaking to his people then, and this is Jesus speaking to you and I right now, this morning. And notice um, back in the passage in verse, verse 5, I, even I, have spoken and called him. And then verse 16 says, draw near to me, hear this, draw, come, come here, come here close. This is Jesus saying to you and me this morning, Jesus saying, look, I understand you're in tribulation right now. The world has gone completely crazy. Everything is different. Nothing is the way you expect it to be. Nothing is the way you're used to. I understand how stressful that is. I am right here in the middle of this with you. Jesus said, look, I am with you even to the end of the age. After predicting all these things that would happen in this age, earthquakes, wars, rumors of wars, pestilence. He predicted all these things. And he said, in this world, you'll have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome this world. So can you hear him this morning? Can you draw close to him and hear him say, look, I get it. I know for you, for some of you that you're without a job now and you don't know, you know, what job you're going to find. You don't know what's going to happen to your industry. Some of you are working, but you're like, well, but how's this going to shake out if we continue in this shutdown? At what point could I lose my job? Jesus is saying, look, I am with you. I understand the stress that you're in. Don't freak out. Don't become obstinate and locked down and like, I just got to fix it and solve it no matter what I do. But rather, open yourself up. Open your hands up. Look to me. Look up and look to me. And I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be with you in the midst of this. And you know what? If you perish tomorrow, you will be with me in paradise. And you will be at my side until I return to this world and judge all the obstinance out of it and make a new world and a new heaven where you will dwell with me for eternity in absolute blessing and in my glorious glory. Amen. So you know what? It is a tough time, but Jesus is saying, hey, come here. Listen, I gotcha. I've been here. I've done this. I'm doing this, and I've gotcha. I'm going to take care of you through this and in the midst of this. Amen? Right, let's continue on in verse uh, 17. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Remember that phrase from last Sunday? God Almighty. He is holy and he is our Redeemer. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your offspring would have been like the sand and your descendants like its grain. Their name would never be cut off or destroyed from before me. So this what you, what God is saying is, look, when you listen to me, when you, when you kind of take a step back from all that's got you stressed out, when you set aside your arrogance and your pride, and you go, okay, Lord, what's going on? What are you saying to me? What, talk to me. Reveal my own heart to myself, God. What's going on here? God is saying, look, 
if you'll do that, if you'll look to me, if you'll hear me, then I will bless you. I will guide your path. I will make your path profitable, even if it's tough, right? I mean, there are times for determination, right? And it may be tough. It will be tough. Not maybe. It's going to be tough. Jesus said that. And he said, but I'll be with you. And if you abide in me and I in you, you will produce much fruit. I will make your way profitable, right? Even in spite of all that's going on, even when it seems like, you know, your, your account is being drained, you, you may be out of work, it's very stressful and scary. And even in the midst of that context, Jesus will make your life profitable. Are you spending more time with your kids? Are you, are you taking a little bit more practice with the things that are important to you? You know, even in the midst of this, is God producing fruit in your life? I think a lot of you would say yes. Yeah, even in the spite of this, in the midst of this tribulation. Look at all the promises here, you know, just, just listing them out here. Profitable living, continuous peace, powerful righteousness, rich heritage, right? If you're obstinate, if you resist the Lord and you keep trying to butt yourself up against the Lord, against the wall, you sacrifice these things. And when, it's set, when I say profitable living, I don't mean, you know, a big fat checking account, although God made you do that for, to use for his kingdom. But I'm saying what I mentioned earlier, that you're spending your life in a way that actually, in, in a lot of ways, and, and even more important ways of measuring it, are so much more profitable and valuable. That's one of the blessings I think that's come out of this tribulation along with perfecting our character. So that is, uh, that's what we have to look forward to when we submit ourselves each day again to the Lord. We have obstinate, rebellious heart and every, every day my heart wants to just take my own way, find my own path, blaze my own trail. And Jesus, and Jesus says, look, how about you try my path? Because my path is profitable. Amen? Verse 20, go out from Babylon, free, flee from Chaldea. Declare this, declare this with a shout of joy. Proclaim it. Send it out to the end of the earth. Say, the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. They did not, they did not thirst when he led them through the deserts. He made water flow from them from the rock. He split the rock and the water gushed out. This is good news. You know what? Even in the desert, even in the midst of this tribulation, God will water us. God will give us a flowing living stream. So God is saying, look, you know what? I've provided a way for you. Be joyful. Understand that even in the midst of this tribulation, I've provided a path for you. Take a deep breath. Seek me, listen to what I'm saying, look to me for your salvation and for your help, and I'm going to make your life profitable and fruitful in spite of all that is going on. Last verse, verse 22, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. So this is the alternative, by the way. If, if you want to refuse the Lord, if you've resisted the Holy Spirit throughout your life, and even this morning, you're just fighting against what, I, what I'm saying from God's word, what the Holy Spirit is right now even saying to your heart. You're just like, ah, oh, and you're fighting it. Let me just ask you this question. Who should you trust more, yourself 
who is finite, who has lived X number of years? Or should you trust the one who made the entire universe? Should you trust the one who has declared beforehand, even before the foundation of the, of the earth, that we would be chosen? Should you trust the one that, who pre, that preordained and, and foretold all that would happen to his people, including their exile into Babylon, and right now in this passage, telling them that they're about to be released from that captivity and to be restored to their own land. And of course, that's exactly what happened. King Cyrus came in and very shortly took over the kingdom and in short order gave permission and authority and monies for the people of Israel to return back to Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple, to rebuild the city. And God foreknew all that, he declared all that, and then he did all that. He is a God you can trust and put your hope in and I encourage you, if you haven't, today is your day, today is the day of salvation because we don't know the last day. We don't know when the last day will come. And at that point, there's no, there's no more repentance. There's no more opportunity to, to stop and cease from your obstinance, right? It's over. And for those who have not placed their ultimate faith and trust in Christ, they have no peace. There will be no peace. There'll be no peace for all of eternity. But for those of us who have turned, who have repented, who've recognized the error of our own way and ceased from our obstinance and turned to the Lord, we have joy, we have peace, a peace that flows like a river, right? So as we go enter into another time of worship, if you belong to the Lord, if you belong to Christ, ask him to speak to your heart and show you, okay, Lord, where am I being obstinate? Where, am I, where have I closed my eyes and closed my ears and I'm just trying to drive through as hard as I can no matter what you say or anybody else says? Show that to me and show me a different path. Show me who I should talk to. Should I talk to my family? Should I talk to a pastor? Should I talk to another Christian brother or sister who I really respect and honor, and they, and they honor the Lord, open yourself up and it will save you so much grief and it will make you so much more profitable and give you a blessing and peace that flows like a river. Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you so much for your love for us. God, we confess to you, we are an obstinate people. Lord, I, I confess to you, Father, it is hard for me to turn from my own path, God. And yet, you are patient, God. You are forbearing. You continually speak to us. And sometimes you put a pretty hard wall in front of us to get our attention so that we can recognize, you know what, Father? Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there's something you want to change in me. Maybe there's a different path I need to turn toward, Father. I pray that you would guide us in that. And Lord, if there's someone this morning who has never bowed their knee to you, who has never surrendered their will to you, Father, I pray that they would take this time, this opportunity, because there is no guarantee that there will be another one. This could be it. This is the day of your salvation. I challenge and encourage you, turn your heart to the Lord, seek him, confess your sins to him. Confess with your mouth that he is your Lord. 
Believe in your heart, even as the Holy Spirit speaks to you right now in this moment, the Holy Spirit will, will witness the truth that Jesus was alive, that he was crucified on the cross for your sin, and that he rose again from the dead. And if you believe that in your heart, he will save you. And if you submit to his lordship, he will bless you throughout your life and continue to train you up into the fullness of Christ. Let's worship. Thanks for joining us in today's study. If you'd like to know more about us or where you can attend one of our services, you can find information online at www.ren.church. That's R-E-N dot church. Thanks for listening.